0: And can you bring up my first slide up there? All right. Now I had a laser pointer, but it's not working today, so you're going to have to bear with me. Now, I might be surprised here, but I think there might be one other person sitting in here other than me that might know what that is. Anybody want to hazard a guess at what it is? Anyone? It comes from a map, exactly, okay? I was surprised. I didn't know you'd be that guy, Kevin. <laughs> okay, it comes from a map. Anybody know what it's called, though? Go ahead. It's, it's in the legend of the map, right? It's actually what we call a declination diagram. Declination diagram. And what it does is it tells you about the three different types of north that are on a map okay now you might be thinking now wait a minute sites we came here to hear a sermon today and i have you give us a class on map reading okay well bear with me a little bit there's a couple guys who got that it's a really bad map reading joke okay (laughs) bear with me a little bit because i'm going to take you in a direction which diane's going to lead us to the next slide staying the course when you're tired of the battle okay And that's our fundamental verse up there, Acts 20, 24. Y'all can turn in your uh, Bibles if you want to. And uh, I'll go ahead and uh, read that at this time. All right. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace okay you can see the fundamental verse up there on the slide go ahead and go ahead and go to the next slide please all right now there's that diagram that we saw again right what did I call that diagram anybody remember the declination diagram right okay and I'm going to try to use map reading terminology today so the top of the screen is north okay the bottom of the screen is south. Okay, any remember the compass rose? So what's this side of the screen? West, and the other side of the screen is east, okay. Because right and left are not proper uh, directions in map reading, okay? I know I know we all use that. Well, turn left here, turn right here. But that's not how map reading works, okay? So the declination diagram, which is on the what side of the screen? The west side of the screen. Okay, that's where again where you see those three norths. Okay, now the line that runs straight up and down with the big star in the middle of it, that's what we call true north. Okay, and then you see the two lines off to the left and the right. Now depending upon what side of the earth you're on, those that GN line and that MN line might be on different sides of the true north line. Okay, and we're going to talk a little bit about that here in the next couple slides but as you see that uh, line that runs to the that that m in line that runs to the what side of the true north line the west side of the true north line that is what we call magnetic north okay and we'll see this a little bit in a in another slide but the magnetic north is where the arrow the north seeking arrow of a compass always points to on the earth okay and you see, there are some different numbers down in there. Well, what that 19 with the little circle is 19 degrees on the magnetic north line. That means that magnetic north is offset from true north by 19 degrees. Okay. Now, again, depending upon where you are on the earth, that number will change. Okay. It could only be one degree. Depending upon if you were at the north pole or the south pole or very close there, all these lines would be very, very close together because of declination and the way that it works with the uh, magnetic field of the earth. Okay. Then on the what side of true north? On the east side of true north, you have GN, which is grid north. Okay. And we'll see that on the next slide when we get there, how grid north works. And you can see there's also a 1 circle and a 09 with a little line there. Well, that means 1 minute 9 seconds, okay? All right, so now we kind of sort of have an understanding of what the declination diagram is. Let's go ahead and move over to the picture on the what side? On the east side, okay? And what that is, and, and sorry, it's kind of hard to see, but what that is is that shows you on the earth how the declination diagram works, okay? Now, the reason why lines are different colors is is just because I wanted to make them a unique color so that you could see that each line has a difference, okay? But other than the color on those lines, who can tell me some differences that they see with the lines? Go ahead, Dasha. Grid north does meet true north each and every single time. And that will never change. Okay, we'll talk about that in brief a little bit. Anybody see any other differences in between the two lines? There's two major differences. Well, magnetic north and true north, if you see, kind of go in an arc pattern, right? And then grid north goes in directly a straight line. Okay, those are the two differences. Now, true north will follow the curvature of the earth from the north pole to the south pole. We all know that earth is a three-dimensional object, not a two-dimensional object, that has two poles, the north pole and the south pole, or as they refer to in map reading terminology, the geographic poles that bore a catastrophic event happening on the earth those will never change okay Um, now with your grid north okay you can see that's always straight we'll talk about that on the very next slide of why that is always just directly north south or directly east and west because grid lines do go east west and north south okay but one thing you'll notice is different up there Like Dasha said, grid north and true north intersect at the geographic north pole. However, magnetic north has its own pole that it intersects to up on the top of the earth. And we'll see a slide on that a little bit later that talks about magnetic north. Can you go to the next one, Diane? Okay. Here's grid north right here. The reason why there is a grid north is because the earth is a three-dimensional object or three-dimensional shape, we cannot look at it on a map, which is a two-dimensional shape, unless we kind of slice it up, we take it out, we lay it open onto that two-dimensional shape. Now, in high school history class, we probably all remember, we saw that big two-dimensional uh, object of the earth there does anybody remember what that projection is called the name of that projection the mercator projection right okay well that's what that utm is up there that stands for universal transverse mercator and why we have grid north versus the other two types of north is because when you lay the earth out in that two-dimensional form we have grid lines north-south grid lines, east and west grid lines, and that helps us navigate on a broad scale on the Earth. Now, when you see very small-scale maps, those grids will become closer and closer together. On most maps, whether they're from the the Defense Mapping Service, which does the military maps, or the USGS, the US Geological Survey, they're normally 1 to 24,000 scale, 1 to 50,000 scale, And they normally track things in kilometers just to make things easy. Okay? All right. Can you go to the next one, Diane? All right. Now, here's where it gets real interesting, okay? So, you have this thing called the agonic line, okay? Now, the agonic line goes all the way around the earth, all right? Anybody want to take a guess where the agonic line starts and finishes? Where? Where? Where's that? North pole. pole. Well, kind of, of, sort of. It, It starts and finishes at one of those poles, but it starts and finishes at the magnetic north pole of the earth, okay? So as the agonic line goes around the earth, you'll go down there to the bottom, and you'll see that blue line and that red line right there on the bottom, okay? So you either remove or you add, all right? Now the agonic line generally travels through about the Midwest, somewhere in about middle Illinois. Now the thing to remember is the agonic line changes from time to time, so that can kind of uh, that can kind of complicate navigation. Okay. However, in Indiana, where we'll be doing most of our navigation, any time when we want to convert grid or or, excuse me magnetic north remember we got magnetic north true north and grid north anytime we want to convert a magnetic north to a true north we're going to do what we're going to add now you guys are going like hey wait a minute sites you're trying to teach me about map reading and now you're trying to teach me about math no I'm nobody to teach anybody about math trust me but that's how the agonic line works So we would always add, in all situations, if we want to convert a magnetic azimuth to a true north azimuth, all right? Now, if we were on the other side of the agonic line, we would have to subtract whatever the magnetic azimuth or bearing is to get us to true north. Go ahead, Diane. Okay, now that thing up there in the middle, is something that I mentioned a little earlier, is a compass, all right? That's actually what is called a navigation compass. It's made by a company called Sunto, And if you look on the compass, you will see there is an arrow going this way. On one end of it, it's red. On the other end of it, it's black. Well, on the red end of the arrow, that is what we call the north-seeking arrow. And the north-seeking arrow will always point toward magnetic north. The reason is, is because basically it is a magnet, and magnetic north is a big magnetic pole that pulls all magnetic devices toward it, okay? But you can also see the north pole up there, and you can see that uh, white line. Anybody got any ideas what that white line, which north that is? It's what? True north. Exactly. That's why we have to convert a magnetic azimuth or a magnetic bearing back to a true bearing in order to be able to chart a course. Go ahead, Diane. Okay. Now, this is kind of an interesting picture. However, I have to orient you to the picture because it's kind of deceptive. All right. The picture as you see it arrayed from the west side of the screen to the east side of the screen is not not correct directionally wise. The reason why it's arrayed like this is because it's over such a distance that if we took it like this and turned it 90 degrees, we would see it north to south, but you couldn't see all of the content that they want you to see on the slide. So basically over the last about 120 years between 1900 and the projection of 2020, right? That shows you how the magnetic north pole on the earth has moved over the last 120 years, okay? We all know that the earth is a dynamic planet. It's constantly changing. The tectonic shifting of the plates, the volcanoes, the earthquakes the massive uh, you know tsunamis and things that we have on the earth all change the earth and how it is okay thus since the magnetic north is part of the earth's crust and the earth's surface magnetic north will constantly change okay it will just keep creeping a little bit farther every year or every few years all right now something else interesting you can see down there just a little bit what would be east if we were oriented correctly of the 2020 up there is that big gray circle okay that's the geographic north pole all right now again that's where grid north and true north intersect right well that point unless there is a catastrophic event that changes the way the earth is shaped okay will never change That's the highest known point on the earth and can be proven mathematically, okay? So, important things to remember there. Go ahead, Diane. So God is what north? God is true north. The world is magnetic north, okay? Go ahead to our first uh, verse there, Diane. All right, if you want to turn in your Bibles, you can to the book of John. I'll go ahead and read it. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Go ahead to that next verse in John. All right, John 17. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of... The world, any more than I am of the world, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one or Satan. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Okay, so sometimes we hear people paraphrase these two verses and other verses. As saying that we must live in the world, but we must not be of the world. Well, if you kind of wonder where that paraphrase or that saying ever comes from, it comes primarily from these two verses in John. And the reason why we as Christians, brothers and sisters, the brethren, are not supposed to be of the world is because our first true love, as we learned in our series, Letters to the Church from Revelation our first true love, Jesus, is not of the world. All right? Go ahead, Diane. Okay. Now, I put this up here because at my last duty station, I worked for a brigadier general named General Copes. And I was sitting in a briefing with him one time, and he said something that I kind of made me scratch my head a little bit. And he goes, words mean much. Okay? I kind of really didn't know what he what he meant at the time until I started hearing some of the young inexperienced officers give briefings and then I realized what the general was talking about, okay? We all have different filters and perceptions of how we look at words and the meaning of those things, okay? The reason why I chose to put two different translations up here are because of those those basic different words that are underlined up there. The NIV says Follow God's example, whereas the New King James says, "Be imitators of God." Okay, now imitation can have positive uh, meanings to us; it can have negative meanings to us. The way I kind of um, look at imitation is, is you know, I'm in Kroger, and I'm going down the aisle here, and I come to the potato section, right? And then, so I'm like, "Oh, wow." Idaho potatoes. These are like the best potatoes in the world, right? Arguably. Everybody has their own likes, their dislikes, the way that we see things, right? And then I look down and I'm like, man, you know, there's like nine potatoes in this bag and they want to sell it to me for like eight bucks, okay? So I put that down and so I go to the side here and I grab the Kroger potatoes, right? Well, you notice there's a little bit difference in the way that my hands are placed, right? (laughs) On the the Idaho, my hands were placed like this, and they wanted $8. So I grabbed the Kroger potatoes, and my hands are here, and they only maybe want $5 for those. So I think, well, you know, I'll give it a shot, and I put the Kroger potatoes in my bag. Well, then I'm going down the next aisle, and ladies help me out here. What's the aisle called? The Pop-Tarts are in? Is that the snack aisle? The bread aisle, maybe? I I don't know. I promise I go to the store. I feed my children, okay? (laughs) So anyways, I'm going down the aisle. I get to the Pop-Tarts, and I'm like, man, you know what? I like cherry Pop-Tarts. Jacob actually loves cherry Pop-Tarts. I'm kind of okay with them, but whatever. So I take up the big six-pack, which are the Pop-Tart, the the real-world, you know, Pop-Tart name brand, okay? And I look at those, and I'm like, okay, well, there's six in here, and they're this certain price. And then I kind of look down on the bottom shelf, and I'm like, Uh, yeah, but I can get these generic cherry ones for this price and blah, blah, blah. Well, knowing my tastes and my preferences, I know that uh, the generic Pop-Tarts and the regular Pop-Tarts don't taste the same, okay? So I go ahead and put the generic ones back down there and get the Pop-Tarts there, okay? So in that case, you know, at least for me, the Kroger brand potatoes are okay, even though they're imitation, if we will. But the, uh, the name brand Pop-Tarts, I want to go with those. Okay? Well, the reason why I put that word imitators up there is, is imitating God should always be something that we strive for. We kind of talked about it a little bit in the Sunday school lesson about kind of those put-offs that we see in Colossians 3. And then if we went a step farther with that, back to Galatians 5, that's where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit and all those things that we're supposed to put on after we take all those things off in Colossians 3. Okay? Go ahead, Diane. All right, magnetic north. Now, now what's magnetic north again? Is that is that God? Is God magnetic north? No, no. God's not magnetic north, right? And why is God not magnetic north? Because magnetic north constantly changes. Exactly. That first bullet right up there. The world is forever changing. I've got that verse. We're not going to take time to go through all these verses today, okay? What I have done for you is on that handout, if you've got a copy of the handout, you'll notice that there is a section there where you can fill in the blanks. And all those blanks are going to be up here on the slide, by the way. However, in the other section on the handout, there is an application section which you all can go ahead and go through this week. There's a six-day application section, and all these verses will be listed on that six-day application section for you to dig a little deeper, okay? Okay, so Magnetic North is constantly changing because the earth is constantly changing. Well, the world is constantly changing too, as we see, right? I mean, society is constantly changing. You know, I mean, we see all kinds of agendas out there, and all those agendas change different societies around the world, sometimes for the better, sometimes even catastrophically badly, as we have seen just recently in some areas of the world, okay? Worldview can be wrong, all right? When we uh, start our Warrior Series here in a few weeks, we're going to talk uh, in some detail about the different worldviews and how they, they view Um, scripture and the way that God looks at things versus the way that we as Christians should look at things, all right? The world's time does not always match God's timing. And both of those, or well, actually the first verse there in Ecclesiastes followed up by 311, that is the uh, famous verse in Ecclesiastes that talks about different seasons of life or different seasons that linear time goes through, okay? A time to be born, a time to die, a time to peace, a time to war, those different things. And in the world today, we see that the world's time definitely is not God's time, right? The world tells us, you got to have this brand new car right now. You got to have this brand new home right now. You got to do this right now. Well, yeah, but I have to pray about that. I have to yield a little bit. I have to wait on God's timing. No, you don't. No, you don't. You need to stand up and you need to take charge and you need to do this, right? Well, we as Christians know that that's not always the case. We need to pray. We need to wait. We need to yield. Okay. The world conforms to its own understanding, not God's understanding. In some ways, we see this even in the documents that govern our own country. What's the law of the land in the United States? The U.S. Constitution, right? Well, if you read that cover to cover, you see that that document being as blessed and as divinely inspired as I feel that it is still does not always match up with the Word of God. Okay? So we have to take those things into consideration as well. The world is lacking. There is nothing that we can get from the world today, tomorrow, yesterday, yesterday, any time throughout linear time, all the time in between eternity past and eternity future, that can fill us the way that God is. All right? Or the way that God can. Cars, homes, money, fame, prestige, all that. Just again, like we talked about, Brother Rick talked about in in Sunday school today, all that stuff's going to pass away, and then we're going to go into eternity with God, and we're going to be in His constant love from that point forward, all right? The world will limit you, okay? Do we have any limitations with God? Well, unless He wants us to be limited in an area, okay? But I think we got, well, I didn't put Philippians 4.13 up there, but that's one of our class verses back there with our our kids, and my boys say that all the time, 4.13, for I can do all things in Christ that strengthens me. Um, God will only limit us if he has something better for us or he has something more for us, okay? The world will try to limit us by sex. The world will try to limit us by gender. The world, well, gender and sex are the same thing, sorry. (laughs) By race, by, you know, social economic status. Those are all the ways that the world will limit us, and God won't limit us in those ways. Because he looks at me the same way he looks at robert the same way he looks at donna we're all his children all right go ahead uh dan true north this is god right and why because true north never changes okay first bullet up there god is never changing that verse in hebrews when i looked it up i didn't even have to put that verse in malachi up there because it says it all Jesus is the same today. He'll be the same tomorrow, the same that he will always be. okay that was like when when I read that, I was just like, Wow,, uh, I was ready to go at that point I was kind of uh I was kind of stuck at that point, actually. I think the devil was kind of working on me. They always say when you're when you're doing good things, when God has something great for you. That's when Satan's going to work on you the most, right? Well, when I read that verse, that all got wiped out, and it was all very clear right after that. God's always right. Are we sure about that? Is God always right? Because the world tells us that right is a perception, right? Right is what you think it is, kind of like truth as well. Well, truth is what you make it. Or what is truth? I mean, is there a universal truth? Well, yes, absolutely. There is a universal truth. And that's God's Word. God is always on time. Sometimes it doesn't seem like it does it. When we're hurting or we're going through something and we're just, we're just wondering why. Man, why, why, God, why can this not be over with? Why can I just not be done? Why can we not get to the end result where you want me to be? Well, that's not how God works. God's about process, not about the start point, not about the end point. It's about all those little things, all those little pains, all those little hurts, all the triumphs, all the things that we feel and we think and we experience in between point A and where He wants us to be, right? Okay. The Word of God is all-sufficient. That verse there in 2 Timothy, probably the most famous verse in the Bible about sufficiency of God's Word actually says that directly in it, God's Word is all-sufficient. And the final uh, thing there is God, or with God, all things are possible. Now, we said God will limit you in some areas, but He's only limiting us to bring us to something or someplace that He wants us to be, to give us something better than what we thought we wanted or we deserved. Okay? Go ahead, uh, Diane. So which north is your course following? Because we talked about at the beginning, this series or this uh, um, today's lesson was all about charting your course in the world, right? Well, here's something to think about. So you guys remember all those rules that I taught you in the beginning of the course, right? taught about that agonic line and about how when you're on this side you add when you're on this side you subtract you got all these different norths here and you got to remember this you got to remember that okay if you're with god there is no agonic line okay because you don't ha- you you don't have to bring your magnetic north back to true north because when you're walking with god you're automatically walking on true north all right Now, regardless of whether you're walking with God or you're walking away from God, everybody's course starts at the same point, all right? It's just what you do with that course as you go through life where your end point might end, and we'll see that here in just a bit. But if you're not walking with God and your course is of the world or or for the world, then you're going to have to remember all that mathematical stuff I taught you and all that map reading stuff I taught you, okay? So I don't think anybody wants to remember that, do they? (laughs) I'm surprised I even remember that after all these years, but I do. So Go ahead, Diane. All right, there's our, our verse again from Acts 20, 24, what it's all about. All right, go ahead. All right, and in closing, i got three things for you. And you're going to say, now, wait a minute, Sites, I only see two things there. Well, hang with me. I got that third one coming, all right? Okay, this kind of talks about a little bit in greater detail on the declination diagram, what we sort of touched on a minute ago. So everybody's starting point is the same, right? That blue dot you see down there at the point of the declination diagram. The blue dot or the starting point is the day that we became born again, or we received Christ, all right? As we talked about in Sunday school again, When we receive Christ, we become new creatures in our life, right? Now, it's up to us which way we go at that point. Whether we follow true north, which is God, and no Christian, including probably first and foremost this Christian's life, is ever going to go in a straight line, right? It's going to probably look more like this. It's not going to go straight. We all know that. We're all sinners and falling short of the glory of God. But when we sin, again, as we talked about this morning, we repent of those sins and we always come back to true north and we start walking on that course again, okay? And from your start point, if you generally walk true north with God, when you get up to the star up there, you're going to get to the ultimate point that all Christians want to be at. And that's in heaven with God, okay? Where you see the symbol of victory, the cross. Symbol's not a symbol, it's not a symbol of shame anymore, it's a symbol of victory now after Jesus was put up there and then rose again, all right? But then you look over to magnetic north, and if you keep walking that path along magnetic north, your end point is gonna be very different, okay? And we all know what that icon means up there. Don't have to say it. So let's all make sure that we're on true north, generally walking with God. Okay, go ahead to the next slide, Diane. Okay, here's the third point, okay? Now you're gonna say, okay, Sites, well, you did okay with this course thing, but uh, you didn't talk to me about after you were tired from the battle. Well, we're gonna to talk to you in great detail about doing this when you're tired from the battle here in a few weeks, okay? We're gonna have the Warrior Series up banners. You guys have probably seen it on social media. Some other outlets, it's out there. It's on the Cross Life uh, page if you want to go there on the internet. I would recommend that everybody go ahead and do this because we're not only going to teach about spiritual warfare. That's the first couple weeks, okay? You're going to learn more about spiritual warfare than you ever wanted to know, I'm sure. But then in weeks three, four, five, and six, that's where we're going to put it all together. And we're going to apply the things we've learned in week one and two and we're going to really find out what we need to do to not fight a defensive campaign against Satan and evil, but go on the offense and actually learn what it means to fight, okay? Because until you go on the offensive, you can't win a war. You cannot win a war using defensive, camp- or, uh, using defensive tactics. So in the Warrior Series, we're going to go ahead and talk about that, Okay. All right. Diane, I think that's it, right? That's my last slide. Okay. All right, uh, Brother Tide, you want to go ahead and uh, come on?